Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You must see the central narrative that it is. We are While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, January 11th, 2024, the 1086th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. Okay. So today I present part two of Hello, Goodbye, Taiwan. Yesterday in part one, we went on a little bit of a flashback covering the last 10 years of political life in Taiwan, their relationship to China and how that has changed and the implications for this current moment as we approach an election in Taiwan this Saturday, January 13th. 
paying special attention to Taiwan's own color revolution, the sunflower movement, the quote unquote progressive activist campaign that occupied Taiwan's legislature for three weeks and was credited with ushering in the new government, the new progressive government under Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen. Now, I discussed at some length in the episode presented yesterday the way I view geopolitics, and that is through the lens of the good twin versus evil twin dynamic, the good twin being the decentralizing force, sovereign leaders of sovereign nations existing to protect sovereign individuals and individual liberty, as opposed to the centralizing force. The global communist regime and its agenda, the one world rules based international liberal world order, a.k.a. the new world order, where there are no sovereign nations, there are no borders and global governing bodies make decisions for how all of the people in the world will live their lives and how resources will be distributed. This agenda is coordinated through global governing bodies like the UN, the WHO, the World Economic Forum, and they have, in various ways, seized control over the centers of power in nations all around the world. This battle between the centralizing force and the decentralizing force is playing out all across the world in different countries, slight variations on different timelines, and it plays out in a cyclical fashion. Countries are destabilized, they are infiltrated, and over time, through that cycle, they are brought under the control of the global regime. So with that said, let's get into the upcoming election, and we are going to be looking primarily at mouthpieces of that global regime, parts of their global state propaganda media network. And let's begin with Al Jazeera, the Qatari state media. Qatar seeming to be fully a proxy state of the global regime. So this is Al Jazeera from January 7th, 2024, just a few days ago. A poll with outsized importance. What to know about Taiwan's election. In what is set to be a historic year for elections worldwide, Taiwanese voters will head to the polls this week to choose their next president, vice president and legislative representatives on January 13th. Despite a population of just 23.5 million people, Taiwan's election carries an outsized importance due to its disputed political status. While de facto independent since the 1940s, the island and its outlying territories are still claimed by the Chinese Communist Party, something nearly all Taiwanese reject, but fear saying publicly because of the risk of war. Now, that is preposterous. If it was true that nearly all of them rejected it, but were just afraid to say it, then the outcome of the election would be in no doubt whatsoever. Of course, it's not true, and it's of the same form as the way the media here presents the relationship between Donald Trump and the Republican Party. All the Republican representatives, the congressmen and the senators, they only go along with Donald Trump because they are just too scared of him being mean to them, and they're scared of his voters, and being scared of the voters as a politician is appropriate because you're supposed to be doing what they want. But I digress. Observers in the United States and China will be closely watching the outcome to see whether voters opt for the more conservative and Beijing-friendly Kuomintang 
or the more center left and U.S. friendly Democratic Progressive Party, which has ruled Taiwan for the past eight years. And again, they were ushered into power after a color revolution, a.k.a. protest movement of the same type we saw here with Black Lives Matter Antifa. Democratic Progressive Party in league with the global regime is just a communist party. It is also, of course, ridiculous to call them center left. It's not true at all, but to the extent that it even could be true, it's only by virtue of changed definitions. But any party that comes into power on the wave of a BLM Antifa style color revolution is not a center left party. That is just communism. They are the partners of the regime faction, the evil twin faction in China. And their relationship with the West is to promote the agenda of the global regime, evil twin faction in China. At that point, the idea of unification is kind of a red herring. If they are willingly doing the bidding of the global West and the global regime's representatives in China, then calling it an independent nation is meaningless. There is also the smaller Taiwan's People Party, which lies somewhere between both parties on the political spectrum. That's kind of like the Republican establishment somewhere between the quote-unquote center-left Democrat Party in the United States and MAGA. Since its first Democratic elections in 1996, Democratic elections, Taiwan's two major political parties have alternated leadership every eight years. But this year, the DPP's William Lai ching is the frontrunner with the KMT, which has so far failed to mount a substantial challenge to Lai following the collapse of efforts to agree on a joint opposition ticket with the TPP. So the candidate from the Democratic Progressive Party is the big frontrunner. Other factions tried to form a coalition against him, but it just didn't work. He's too powerful. The people just love him too much. While voters are unhappy with key domestic issues, such as Taiwan's stagnant economy, the high cost of housing, and the future of the island's energy policies, the presidential election is often overshadowed by the bigger question of Taiwan's political status. So they're pursuing the same policies as the global West and ending up with the same terrible results because the policies are terrible and designed to destabilize societies, destroy economies, and ruin normal people's lives so that just to survive, they have to do whatever the regime says. But that's not what the election is going to be decided on. It's going to be decided on Taiwan's quote-unquote political status in 2020. Voters chose the DPP and its Taiwan First Agenda by a landslide against a backdrop of massive pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong, a former British colony that Beijing promised to allow semi-autonomy for 50 years after its return to Chinese sovereignty in 1997. Taiwan had long been offered a similar deal if it returned to the motherland, but for many in Taiwan, events in Hong Kong, where Beijing imposed a sweeping security law and an electoral overhaul were evidence that Beijing does not keep its promises. So the leftist regime-oriented political party won again in 2020 on the back of a protest movement in Hong Kong, trying to protect Hong Kong 
as a regime proxy, but failing in their efforts, though they did get President Tsai Ing-wen elected in Taiwan. With the Hong Kong protests long over, voters will now have to decide if they want the economic benefits of a closer relationship with Beijing offered by the KMT, or if they want to continue standing apart and risk facing regular Chinese aggression as they have under incumbent President Tsai Ing-wen. So if they keep the DPP in power, then there might be actual aggression. And considering how we keep hearing about China invading Taiwan, which is like the United States invading California, if the global regime were to somehow seize California, and we're just pretending for now that they haven't, you would think that the global regime is anticipating a quote unquote win in this election for the DPP, which would be the catalyst for that kinetic aggression they're describing. But viewed another way, the regime could simply let go of Taiwan and let the people's choice win. But instead, they will choose to steal that election and welcome the destabilization that might occur if China has to use more force to expel the regime and its assets, its infiltration from Taiwan. It's important to remember that things don't have to happen this way. Choices are made on both sides, a move and then a counter move. And if the global regime is really going to play this out to the end and continue stealing elections around the world, then they forego the opportunity to have these things resolved peacefully. But that's not the story we're going to hear anywhere, despite the fact that we have watched it happen in real life in our country and we have seen it happen in other countries around the world. Because of Taiwan's contested status and the uncertainty that that brings, not just to the region, but the world as well, everyone is really invested in who's going to be the one steering the ship, so to speak, because that will have a lot of implications for not just security, but also risk and economic potential, said Lev Nachman, an expert in Taiwanese politics and an assistant professor at Taipei's National Chengchi University. The reason so many people want to make sure that this is a free and fair election is because the world will be very interested if Taiwan's status as a democracy changes. I think people not only care about who wins the election, but how they win, he said. So the only way to preserve democracy is through a free and fair election that reelects the DPP. And if that doesn't happen, then the election wasn't free and fair and we no longer have democracy. We can only have democracy when representatives of the global regime win. Remember, it is, of course, their democracy. You hear them describing it that way all the time when they say our democracy. So how does the election work? On January 13th, people in Taiwan will vote three times for president and vice president, for their local legislator and for their favored party list a list of legislators at large who are given seats based on their party's proportion of votes. The party list is particularly important in Taiwanese politics as a measure of the party's popularity and reputation. Taiwan's 113-person legislature is made up of 73 legislators based on geographic constituencies, 34 based on party lists, and six seats reserved for indigenous Taiwanese representatives, all of whom will serve four-year terms. So that is what our democracy looks like in Taiwan. Quite a system they've set up, allowing themselves all sorts of ways to make sure that their people always stay in. 
Critics say Taiwan's voting system deprives younger people of a voice because voters have to be at least 20 years old and return to the location of their, quote, household registration, end quote, typically their hometown to vote. Gosh, (laughs) that must be so hard for people to vote where they live. The day before the election, tens of thousands of people will be on the move, flying to one of Taiwan's outlying islands, driving to a remote mountain town, or taking the high-speed rail to one of its major West Coast cities. Oh gosh, it's like voter suppression. They are also just declaring it unfair to young people that people below 20 can't vote. And maybe that's a good thing, maybe it's not. You can judge for yourself. Despite these challenges, turnout has been relatively high in the last two elections at 66.27% in 2016 and 74.9% in 2020. That is a massive jump. It's almost exactly like what happened here in 2020. Even though there was a worldwide very deadly pandemic, our voter turnout absolutely skyrocketed. It increased 20%. Over the election cycle prior in 2016, breaking all historical records and patterns to the point where you would think, hey, that's completely and totally impossible. But then again, we were told it was the safest and most secure election of all time. So I guess it just happened. Oh, it's the mail-in balloting. The mail-in balloting. On the ground, it is not hard to see why so many people get excited about polling day. Brian Heo, the co-founder of New Bloom magazine and a frequent commentator on Taiwanese politics, told Al Jazeera, just go around the city and you see election ads everywhere, blanketing everywhere, just like you see speaker trucks blaring election slogans everywhere in your daily life. So it's very ubiquitous and it points to how politics is very integrated into everyday life in Taiwanese society. So they have blanket full on propaganda everywhere you go. That is madness. But they have to have some way to explain why they are going to get the enormous turnout they are certain to get. Along with election fever has also come a wave of election scandals, another popular ingredient in Taiwanese politics, according to Hio. Thanks in part to Taiwan's politically polarized and tabloid dominated media. This election, all three presidential candidates are facing questions about their various property holdings, including a student dorm, a family home, and an illegally zoned parking lot. So massive political division, nonsense scandals from a tabloid media, just as we have here, and scandals on both sides, right? Donald Trump, all these stories of scandals, 91 indictments, blah, 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 just so happens none of it's actually true. Then you've got Joe Biden with all the actual scandals that the media says aren't true. And because they don't want to parse that for anyone and they are happy that they can muddy up Donald Trump, they create a false equivalence and then tell us that they are actually being kind to Trump by doing so and being objective, mentioning Joe Biden's scandals, even though we all know Joe Biden's are totally fake. There's just nothing there with that whole Hunter Biden thing. The presidential frontrunner, albeit by a small margin, is 64-year-old Lai, who is the incumbent vice president and joined on the ballot by Taiwan's former envoy in Washington, D.C., Xiao B. Kim, 52. 
Lai is a trained physician and longtime member of the DPP, who, before becoming vice president, was known for his outspoken views on Taiwan's independence. Since rising in the ranks, however, Lai has shifted more towards supporting Taiwan's status quo, a de facto independence. Lai's decision to choose Xiao as his running mate appeared to boost his popularity as she is favored by younger voters. Xiao also made a name for herself in the U.S., where she helped to bring attention to Taiwan status during her tenure as de facto ambassador. So a female candidate with a close relationship to Washington, D.C., that is the vice presidential candidate who we are told is just adored by the youth who can't vote. The KMT's presidential candidate, who UE 66 is the former mayor of New Taipei, who comes from a humbler background than other KMT leaders and began his professional life as a police officer in the 1980s a latecomer to politics who was initially courted by the DPP. His running mate is Jaw Shaokong, also spelled Chow Shaokong, 73, a media personality and hardliner known for his support for unification with China, albeit under a government other than that of the CCP. Since being named as the vice presidential candidate, Zhao has reportedly taken some of the spotlight from who, according to Hio. There is a third party candidate named Ko. He was going to form a coalition ticket, but the deal fell apart, according to Al Jazeera, when the parties could not decide on how to choose the candidates for president and vice president. Billionaire Terry Gao, the founder of iPhone maker Foxconn ran for president for several months as an independent candidate, but he dropped out at the end of November when he failed to secure sufficient support from the public. Kind of sounds like how we had guys like Michael Bloomberg and Tom Steyer running in the 2020 Democratic primary. Jumping down toward the end of the article, the dragon in the room. Voters and election observers will be watching to see how China responds to the election. Beijing regards the DPP as political separatists and told voters that a vote for the party is akin to a vote for war in the Taiwan Strait. It rejected talks with Tsai soon after she was first elected, stepped up military activities in and around the island, and encouraged Taipei's few formal diplomatic allies to switch ties. So think about that. We have the Chinese Communist Party and Xi Jinping. She is, after all, the head of the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP. The CCP were the global regime's allies in China, but the global regime's allies in Taiwan, the DPP, the Democratic Progressive Party, are seen by Xi as separatists. These are the people who came to power riding the wave of the Sunflower Movement, a color revolution in Taiwan in 2014, and they are viewed by Xi Jinping the head of the CCP as separatists and the chances of conflict or war are increased by their quote unquote victory. Now think about the morality of that situation. Is there any justification for a kinetic conflict if that party wins? Well, there would be if the election was stolen on behalf of that party by this global regime who steals elections all around the world. And all of us know that. Everybody knows that. Everybody knew that growing up. 
The CIA would rig elections around the world. The CIA would depose leaders around the world and overthrow governments and install their own governments around the world. They did it in Ukraine, which is what has led to the current Russia-Ukraine conflict. This is what they do, and they did it here in the exact same way. Back to the article. Recently, it ended tariff cuts on several Taiwanese chemical exports and threatened further sanctions. This is China under Xi. It has also continued to send naval ships and air sorties into the Taiwan Strait. In a New Year's message, Zhang Zijun, the head of China's Association for Relations Across the Taiwan Strait, a quasi-official body that handles ties with Taiwan, urged the people of Taiwan to make the correct choice on January 13th. Besides these overt threats, Beijing has also engaged in its usual online misinformation campaigns to stir up controversy. Its more analog tactics include reaching out to voters through religious networks for prominent Taiwanese temples and deities, relying on shared cultural and historic ties to sway voters' minds. If the DPP and Lai win the election, Observers say it is likely that China will stage military exercises in the Taiwan Strait in protest. Beijing has deployed this tactic twice in the past two years in protest at a historic visit by then U.S. Speaker of the House of Representatives Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan in August 2022 and when President Tsai met top U.S. officials while transiting through the U.S. in April last year. So we really have a much clearer picture beginning to emerge, don't we? Let's continue. This is from Politico today. The headline, here's how Taiwan's elections could upend U.S.-China relations. We can skip all of the introduction and the backstory. Polls show Lai is ahead of KMT candidate Hu Yui by between 3 and 11 percentage points. But the polls are more than a week old, and there's still the possibility of an upset by who? A third-party candidate, Ko Wenjie, who trails both Lai and who also supports cozier relations with Beijing. So the polls are more than a week old. You just can't trust them. It could be three points. It could be 11 points. But the DPP guy is definitely a frontrunner. Could even be a big frontrunner. But also, hey, he could totally lose. And you can see what they're attempting to do with the narrative here. They want to make it clear that the people are behind this DPP candidate, but anything can happen because they don't actually know what the result here is going to be. It kind of reminds me when ABC News had that poll in Wisconsin, the day of the election that said Joe Biden was a 17 point favorite there. Skipping down to their projections, these narrative predictions they have. A lie victory, Beijing blowback. If Lai wins, Beijing is expected to launch military maneuvers around the island similar to those that followed then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's Taiwan visit in 2022, which included several days of live fire exercises. The PRC will probably use the Pelosi visit reaction as kind of a baseline in telling Taiwan voters that they don't like the way they've been selecting their leaders, said Douglas Paul, former Taipei-based director of the State Department's American Institute in Taiwan. So you see, if Lai wins, then China will have a problem with what the people of Taiwan want, according to our State Department. 
Beijing has already deployed ships, planes, and balloons around and over the island in the lead-up to the election. The island's defense ministry has called it psychological warfare targeted at Taiwanese voters. And consider this, many people have discussed and imagined what might take place if somehow the military has to conduct or monitor our elections in the fall. It would be described this same way. They would be intimidating voters trying to prepare a narrative that when the people actually choose what they legitimately want, as they were prevented from doing in 2020, it would actually be because of some heinous crime committed against the people and against our democracy. That is what we will be told. Beijing accuses Lai of pursuing a stealth campaign for Taiwan independence, a perception he stoked by declaring last year that Taiwan, quote, is already an independent and sovereign nation, end quote. Lai tried to walk back those remarks last month by defining independence as a China-Taiwan relationship in which the two countries are not subordinate to each other. Beijing sees Lai as a saboteur of ties with China, who risks triggering a cross-state conflict, Chinese state media reported earlier this month. And again, it's always important to remember that when our global regime's state propaganda media worldwide is calling other countries' media state media, you really should bias toward assuming that those organizations are legitimate media organizations that just so happen to not align with the global regime's chosen narrative and agenda. Asked how Beijing would respond to a lie victory, veteran Chinese diplomat and head of the CCP's International Liaison Department, Lu Zhanqiao, told a crowd at a Council on Foreign Relations event in New York on Tuesday that, quote, China's position on the Taiwan issue remains clear, strong and unchanged without elaborating. But what if Lai doesn't, quote unquote, win a who upset deterrence at risk? A victory for who of the opposition KMT party would produce Taiwan's first government in more than a decade, touting policies aimed to woo Beijing into reducing hostility. Whose China policy hinges on, quote, deterrence, dialogue and de-escalation, end quote, that he pledged to pursue through, quote, principled interactions on the basis of equality, goodwill and dignity, end quote, in a foreign affairs essay published in September. Former U.S. military officials say that approach is unlikely to prod Beijing into tempering its increasingly aggressive efforts to annex Taiwan. And what they are doing there, narratively speaking, is saying, OK, well, we're going to present a who win as being coerced under threat of war by China in the hopes that voting for who will avoid war. But we are being told by regime assets and regime media that actually there is really going to be a war either way. We promise I have reservations about the KMT's ability to convince China to de-escalate its current threats. They have to get China to agree to dialogue and de-escalate. And China will not agree to that unless their preconditions are met, said Tony Hu, the Pentagon's former senior Taiwan country director. Those preconditions would likely include submission to the Chinese government's longtime narrative that the island is, quote, an inalienable part of China's territory, end quote, with Beijing as the, quote, 
sole legal government representing the whole of China. A KMT government will be less forthright and open about a discussion of U.S.-Taiwan military cooperation, and that could probably hurt in the deterrence realm. Retired Rear Admiral Mark Montgomery, former director of U.S. Pacific Command, told reporters last week. Beijing hasn't commented on the KMT's campaign platform or whose proposed approach to cross-strait relations. But the Chinese government has signaled tacit support for the party by welcoming multiple delegations of senior KMT officials on official trips to China in recent months. A KMT victory would create, quote, some scratchiness between Hu Yui's team and the Biden administration in the early stages when the KMT may try to buy a little space with Beijing by slowing down on the U.S.-Taiwan cooperation stuff, said former State Department Asia Hand Russell. But that would eventually give way to, quote, the two sides doing more together to fend off Chinese pressure, given Beijing's likely resistance to meaningful compromise with the KMT, Russell argued. And considering the timeline, I don't know when he thinks that's going to happen. I guess he's assuming that there will be another Biden term or Michelle Obama term or Hillary Clinton term or Gavin Newsom term or whoever it is they install after stealing another election from Donald Trump. They address the Biden administration's response. The U.S. administration isn't taking sides. We have deep confidence in Taiwan's democratic process and believe it is for Taiwan voters to choose their next leader free from outside interference, said a State Department official granted anonymity because they weren't authorized to speak on the record. Now, that's interesting because the State Department sent delegations to Nigeria to help steal their election over there. They do this in other countries all the time. There is nothing remotely honest about that statement. It's actually crazy that a media organization would even print that without questioning it. But then again, they release PR, public relations on behalf of these regime organizations and, of course, the illegitimate Biden administration. Back to the article. But the White House likely has a favorite. Washington always prefers to deal with what they know rather than what they get. So I think they will find a who UE administration a bit of a challenge, said Paul, the former American Institute in Taiwan director. Lai has sought to reassure Washington that he'll be a no-surprise president who will maintain the prudent status quo blazed, blazed by outgoing President Tsai. Lai's choice of vice presidential running mate, former Taiwan envoy to the U.S., Xiao B. Kim, is a valuable asset in Lai's efforts to win Washington's implicit blessing. Xiao excelled in her diplomatic posting and has a broad fan base on both sides of the aisle on Capitol Hill. There's uncertainty, meanwhile, about what whose cross-strait policies would actually look like. Well, here's the good news. It doesn't matter what anybody in America thinks. And if they actually cared about real democracy the way they pretend to, then they wouldn't be presenting this in a way that tells American readers that we'd better support a lie win if we don't want another one of those Ukraine situations. And then there's this whole thing. 
The likely uptick in Chinese military intimidation targeting Taiwan in the event of a lie victory would spur pressure on Capitol Hill to accelerate efforts to bolster the island's defenses. So the military industrial complex wants a lie victory on the basis that that would make it more likely there could be a kinetic conflict after the regime determines that it will not be exiting Taiwan peacefully. It'll take the option of stealing the election, even if it means war. And how about this? Is this a preview? Quote, we must stand with the leaders chosen by the people of Taiwan in this week's elections. That means more military training and exchanges, as well as passing the Biden administration's supplemental request for $2 billion in Indo-Pacific defenses, said Representative Raja Krishnamurthy of Illinois, ranking member of the House Select Committee on China. He is, of course, a Democrat. So we're told that the military spending and military activity would go up with a lie win. And then Krishnamurthy, the Democrat, is saying that we need to support the leaders chosen by the people, which is why we need more military training and more money and passing this Biden administration military funding request for the Indo-Pacific. Kind of sounds like he knows that lie is going to win. Now, how would he know that? Anyone in government who knows that elections are stolen could figure that out on their own. Or maybe he just got a quote unquote intelligence briefing. Now, let's get a little more analysis from the Center for Strategic and International Studies. But before we do, let's just remember who these people are. Influencewatch.org, Center for Strategic and International Studies. The Center for Strategic and International Studies, CSIS, is an American think tank and research institution created to support American foreign policy and national security during the height of the Cold War. Oh, well, that ended over 30 years ago, but they're still around. The organization receives most of its revenue from grants and contributions by organizations, corporations, and private grant-making foundations, including the Smith Richardson Foundation, the Gordon and Betty Moore Foundation, Charles Koch Foundation, the World Wildlife Fund, Bank of America Corporation, Northrop Grumman Corporation. BP, Citigroup, Facebook, Johnson & Johnson, Microsoft, Raytheon, Amazon, Apple, IBM, and Disney. They go on. The Center for Strategic and International Studies receives most of its money from contributions and grants from private grant-making foundations, including the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Open Society Foundations, that's George Soros, and the Rockefeller Brothers Fund. Also, the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, Carnegie Corporation, the Henry Luce Foundation, the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, Climate Works Foundation, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and the Rockefeller Foundation. Who is on their board of trustees? Well, the chairman and CEO of the Pritzker Organization, Thomas J. Pritzker. That is the cousin of of the governor of Illinois, J.B. Pritzker, and his sister, who is currently the president of the Harvard Board of Governors, embroiled in that whole 
Let's get that university president fired for not creating enough of a safe space for Jewish students and also plagiarism. Claudine Gay thing. And oh, wait, Thomas Pritzker, wasn't he that guy who was just outed in the Epstein documents last week? Yeah, yes, he was. Oh, it's that same guy. He's like the head of their board of trustees. But let's keep going on their board of trustees. Paul Ryan, Erskine Bowles, William Cohen, Leon Cooperman, William Daly, Ray Dalio, William Ford, Michael Galvin, W. James McNerney Jr., the former chairman of Boeing, Leon Panetta, former CBS news chief and Washington correspondent Bob Schieffer, and like 15 other globalists. So CSIS.org has on their website a press briefing previewing Taiwan's 2024 presidential election. This from a talk. This is the transcript of that press briefing from Friday, January 5th. So this is part of the presentation of Brian Hart. Many have tried to cast lie in the TPP as effectively puppets for the United States. There you go. But some have also noted that the DPP faces internal challenges within the party and within, you know, will face opposition. As I alluded to earlier, it's if lie wins, he will face opposition domestically in ways that I think the Psy administration has not faced as much. So I think perhaps they see some opportunity there. Skipping down. The big questions that remain here is what China will do. Our team recently pulled senior U.S. and Taiwanese scholars on some of these questions. I don't want to give away the results of that yet. We'll be coming out with that in the next couple of weeks. Wait, why? He's giving this talk eight days before the election. He's going to wait till after the election to put out these responses. It's like they're going to change them based on what happened. But I think generally there's a concern among many U.S. scholars and, you know, former officials that China will stage military exercises in the coming weeks and months after the election, probably generally akin to what we saw the PLA do in August after the Pelosi visit and in April after President Tsai's transit through the U.S. So that narrative is prevalent. It's basically everywhere. I think Taiwanese scholars are slightly more sanguine there, with many believing China may, you know, may focus on economic and diplomatic measures. But I think there is still considerable worry of, you know, military exercises as being Beijing's response. I don't think there is a significant concern about, you know, a more aggressive military action such as a blockade or invasion. So they're basically pitching to everyone everywhere that China's big response is going to be military exercises around the island, but they don't think it's going to be all that bad. It's like they're telling everybody, hey, it's okay if you all help us steal this election for lie. We should just do it. We should just go ahead with it. Sure, the Chinese might have some military exercises, but we don't think it's going to be that bad. Just trust us. Help us steal this election and install these people who are widely known as U.S. puppets. But the key issue here is when Beijing acts. Does it immediately act after the election or does it wait until the inauguration or does it even wait indefinitely to see what the new president does? 
I think that will be, you know, the timing of Beijing's response will give us a good clue as to how they're going to pursue or approach Taiwan and cross strait relations going forward in general. So basically, they might even let us steal it. If we steal it, sure, they're going to do some military exercises, but nothing that bad. And they might not do anything at all. They might just wait and see if we can get away with it. (laughs) These people are crazy. They really are just insane. I would note that inaugurations have really been an important marker in the past of where new Taiwan leaders want to take things on cross-strait relations. And so, you know, if Beijing waits until after the inauguration, that may be a sign that they're at least willing to see what may happen. But if they respond immediately after the election results with something like an exercise, again, that's a clear sign of where they plan to take things going forward. He says, no party has ever won a third straight presidential election, you know, since popular elections of the president began in 1996. Sounds like they must be creating quite a controlled opposition dynamic there. So a DPP victory here would be the first such occasion. And I think ultimately it would be a symbol of China's, a failure of China's approach to Taiwan. They have, you know, they clearly do not want to see the DPP continue to win these elections. And so a big question remains is how do they change their approach going forward or will they? A weak win by the DPP, as I have flagged, may be a ray of hope for Beijing that there's still a chance of waiting out the DPP and making progress toward unification down the road. In that light, you know, it's not clear whether Beijing's approach will radically change if Lai wins. And very last point, if Lai does win and he doesn't, you know, make any significant shifts toward independence or rock the boat from Beijing's perspective, I think that we'll still see Beijing exaggerate his actions and cast him as a troublemaker and a separatist. They will look for opportunities to punish his administration and isolate Taiwan diplomatically. So regardless of, you know, what even Lai or another president does, I think we'll see China continue to put some pressure on Taiwan going forward. Now, let's flash back just one more time. This is the New York Times from November 25th, 2019. Taiwan detains two executives of firm accused of spying for China. Taiwan has detained two executives of a Hong Kong-based company accused of acting as a front for Chinese intelligence agencies working to undercut democracy in Hong Kong and Taiwan, the official news agency there reported on Tuesday. Taiwan's Justice Ministry ordered the two executives, Xiang Xin and Kong Ching, to remain in Taiwan while investigators looked into the assertions of a would-be defector in Australia that their company, China Innovation Investment Limited, acted on behalf of Chinese intelligence. The defector, Wang Li Qiang, said he worked for the company and took part in, or knew of, covert intelligence operations that included buying media coverage, creating thousands of social media accounts to attack Taiwan's governing party, and funneling donations to favored candidates of the opposition party, the Kuomintang. Mr. Wong, 26, detailed his accusations in a 17-page appeal for asylum in Australia, where his wife and child had previously moved to study. 
while some analysts have raised doubts about Mr. Wong, who the Chinese say was convicted of fraud. Two people briefed on his appeal in Australia say his claims were considered serious and reliable enough to warrant a deeper investigation. Skipping down. The accusations against them came only weeks before Taiwan's January 11th presidential election and underscored what officials and experts have long warned, that China would attempt to interfere in the campaign. China has made no secret of its opposition to the incumbent, Tsai Ing-wen, who was elected in 2016. Her challenger from the Kuomintang is Han Kuo-yu, a populist who was elected mayor last year of the southern city of Kaohsiung. I hope I'm saying these things right, honestly. Mr. Wang alleged that the Chinese had directly supported Mr. Han's candidacy in those elections with donations funneled through Hong Kong, an assertion denied by a political advisor to Mr. Han. The accusations have roiled politics in Taiwan as well as in Australia, where reports about Chinese influence in the government have become a political lightning rod. Ms. Tsai, that is the former outgoing president of Taiwan, speaking to more than 10,000 supporters at a Sunday rally in Taichung, Taiwan's second largest city, reiterated her warnings about China, saying the Communist Party's goal was to prevent her re-election. China's ability to influence Taiwan's election will only increase. It's not going to decrease, she told the rally. China will do whatever it takes to take down the presidential candidate they detest. Are you ready? Are you ready to protect democracy together and stand up to Chinese meddling? And they must have been, because as we learned earlier, or perhaps in part one, 75% voter turnout in that 2020 election was what Tsai needed to be, quote unquote, reelected, even overcoming that Chinese influence on that election. But let's continue. This is from Sunday, Taiwan election. China sows doubt about U.S. with disinformation. This from the BBC. The rumor was old but effective. The Taiwanese were being fed poisonous pork imported from the U.S. The week's old claim followed another. The Taiwanese government was secretly harvesting blood from citizens and giving it to the U.S. to make a bioweapon to attack China. Both were swiftly debunked. But this is a narrative that has been blooming in Taiwan ahead of Saturday's presidential and legislative elections. Sounds like they got a QAnon there, to be honest. Taiwan anon, 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 anon. Yi Mai Lun, or U.S. skepticism, questions the faithfulness of Taiwan's biggest ally, portraying the island as a pawn exploited by America. Its ultimate goal, say analysts, is to drive a wedge between Taiwan and the U.S. and push the Taiwanese into the welcoming arms of China. Now, every bit of that is correct. Taiwan is essentially a proxy state of the United States by virtue of the fact that it is unequivocally a proxy state of the global regime, or at least it has been. There seems to be this narrative that the U.S. will not support Taiwan or will abandon it if there's a war or the situation is not advantageous to the U.S., said Kwang Shun Yang, a disinformation researcher who coined the term in 2018. Disinformation experts say China has a hand in spreading this message and may even be creating it. Their evidence also points to Taiwanese close to Beijing. It's not always conspiracy theories. 
Most of the time, it's highlighting of news that shows the U.S. in a bad light or points to it as an untrustworthy superpower. For China, this is a battle of public opinion, said Puma Shen, a Taiwanese expert in Chinese disinformation and Democratic Progressive Party's legislature nominee. So she is running for office in Taiwan's essentially Communist Party, their global communist regime affiliated party. And she is an expert in Chinese disinformation. Hopefully by now, I have proven to you and you understand that this really is the same playbook going on in different places all around the world on slightly different timelines. You will notice that nearly everything I have described over the course of part one and this episode is something that has a direct and simple, easy to see parallel in the United States of America in the same way that our version of Nazi Germany's Reichstag fire had its own parallel in Brazil just a couple years later. And surprise, surprise, they have disinformation experts on call to make sure that the Taiwanese people, quote unquote, vote for the proper candidate. Back to the BBC article. To persuade everybody that China is the better country is more difficult, but to persuade everyone that America is problematic is relatively easier. To China, that would be considered a success. So they're essentially describing a tug of war over Taiwan between China and the United States. And they have determined, or at least they are presenting as having determined, that convincing the Taiwanese that China is good is not going to work because we know they just don't like China at all. I mean, just look at the polling. So instead, they're going to focus on convincing the Taiwanese that the U.S. are bad because successfully making either case would help China to win that tug of war. Skipping down, Mr. Shen estimates that any disinformation campaign would only need to convince about 3% of voters to affect the outcome of the election. They said the exact same thing here. In the lead up to the last election in 2020, Taiwan saw a massive wave of anti-DPP disinformation that was believed to have come from China. Though it eventually failed, President Tsai Ing-wen won her second term by a landslide. It deeply alarmed many Taiwanese. And remember, they say that Joe Biden won by a landslide in 2020 as well. Therefore, it couldn't have been stolen despite impossibly high turnout. They just liked him that much and they liked Psy that much. You can't even think about calling that election fraud, not with a landslide, but we should not kid ourselves. Back to the article. But the political landscape has since changed. For one, tensions with China have spiked. Beijing has repeatedly reinforced unification as a goal, offering peace while not ruling out the use of force. And two, faith in the U.S. is dwindling. Skipping down again, most of this could be chalked up to America's own actions, the disastrous troop withdrawal from Afghanistan and a divided Congress reluctance to continue funding Ukraine in its war have contributed to Taiwanese fears that America would abandon it or fail to intervene if China attacks, say analysts. And of course, America is not going to intervene. America will, quote unquote, abandon Taiwan. We will get the narratives. Oh, we're going to get the narratives. But Joe Biden is not going to go to war 
with China. That would be ridiculous. In 2021, Zhao Kong, the Kuomintang's vice presidential candidate who has called for closer ties with China and promoted U.S. skepticism, warned that, quote, if Taiwan does not want to become a second Afghanistan, then it has to think clearly if it wants war or peace. U.S. skepticism has also played a role in seeding doubt, said Chiao Yu, the author of the IORG study. And then when the U.S. makes a mistake, it would confirm previous suspicions, he said. And let's skip down to the conclusion. But Taiwan is already estimated to be the most targeted place in the world for false information spread by foreign governments. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Years of propaganda and disinformation have polarized society and created greater distrust of facts, according to Wei Ping Li, a researcher with anti-disinformation group Taiwan Facts Check Center. The problem is not so much the disinformation, it's people's attitude to information now. They will ask, can you even trust this? They will make a judgment about the credibility of the information based on their party affiliation or political views, she said. As Taiwan gets better at defending itself, so will China get better at influencing discourse with more sophisticated methods, Mr. Shen warned. Constant warnings from Taiwan's government about the dangers of Chinese influence, combined with Beijing's efforts at stigmatizing criticism of China, has resulted in fatigue among ordinary Taiwanese, he said. These days, even if we want to discuss China's issues, there will be people who will say, why aren't you discussing America's issues? Now, this is stating quite clearly that there is massive division and disagreement within Taiwanese society over which country, China or the United States, they would prefer to align with. And yes, they present the conspiracy theories as disinformation, you know, conspiracy theories in quotes. But then they note that some of the disinformation and fact checks are focused on normal conversation, just like here. Now, considering that the evil twin faction is in at least public facing control in the United States through this uniparty and the fake president, Joe Biden, that is what the Taiwanese are looking at when they see their relationship with America. The other article mentioned being subordinate to China. They are subordinate to America and see themselves that way. Obviously, that is why this messaging is effective. It's first of all, because it's true. And second of all, because they know it's true. They understand that the uniparty faction, the evil twin faction in the United States of America is such a poor and unreliable and weak partner that while they may not love Xi Jinping, they're willing to do business with him. And these articles, they don't even mention Xi. They just keep saying Beijing, Beijing, Beijing. It's odd, isn't it? They obviously can't tell you that the people actually want that one thing. And they can't even tell you there's legitimate debate or else the polls wouldn't make sense and the fear campaign wouldn't make sense. None of it would make sense. And that's what happens when you are operating on lies all the way down to the very bottom, which is, of course, the lie presenting Taiwan as some totally independent country when it is legitimately U.S. policy that it is part of China. We also constantly deal with the problem that our media 
either does not know about it through their total ignorance or is unwilling to present it, which is far more likely. We have a uniparty here and they work on behalf of this global regime that they talk about all the time. Of course, they're not going to present the reality of controlled opposition dynamics around the world. And then, of course, they have to keep up the illusion that the elections are legitimate everywhere. Same playbook everywhere. Let's continue. This is NPR from December 13th, 2023. So four weeks ago, fake social media accounts are targeting Taiwan's presidential election. An influence operation spanning Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube has been targeting Taiwan's upcoming presidential election, according to a new report from research firm Graphica. Wait, weren't they doing all this research in America too? It's this same disinformation expert? Oh yeah, they were in the Twitter files. While Grafica wasn't able to determine who was behind the operation, the report comes amid warnings from government officials and tech companies that elections around the world next year, that's this year now, are ripe targets for manipulation from states including China, Russia, and Iran, as well as domestic actors. We have heard all of that before. The operation Grafica identified involved a network of more than 800 fake accounts and 13 pages on Facebook that reposted Chinese language TikTok and YouTube videos about Taiwanese politics. Oh, no. They promoted Kuomintang or KMT, the main opposition political party in Taiwan that's seen as friendly to China and slammed its opponents, including the ruling Democrat Progressive Party, which favors Taiwan's independence. And the article goes on with the claims, of course, you have probably read different versions of this article 10 times about 10 different countries. Once again, it is always the same narrative, the same playbook playing out in different places with slight variations at different times in a cyclical fashion over and over and over all around the world. Then they do it again the next cycle. Then they do it again the next cycle, and hopefully they infiltrate a little further each time, and they compromise the election system a little more each time, and they pass more laws to make it even easier for them to seize more control, and this process is just repeated and repeated and repeated, and if it seems like it's not going to work, if the story isn't selling, then they will destabilize societies through kinetic action and protest movements to get everybody back on the same page, or at least provide a story that so dominates all public conversation that it provides a reason for why either side would have won. We know the playbook because we've watched it play out here. Now let's talk about the election itself. This is Reuters from June 20th, 2023. Taiwan on alert for Chinese-funded election interference. Taiwan's government says China will try to interfere in key elections in January by illicitly funding Beijing-friendly candidates using communications apps or group tours, according to three internal security reports reviewed by Reuters. President Tsai Ing-wen's government has repeatedly warned of China's attempts to influence public opinion on the democratically governed island, which Beijing claims as its own territory, despite Taipei's strong objections. It also just is part of China, democratically governed island. Clown show. 
Although senior Taiwan officials, including the head of the National Security Council, Wellington Koo, have this year warned that China could try to sway the presidential and legislative elections with influence campaigns, including misinformation, details of how Taiwan thinks China may use illicit funding may not have been previously reported. They hope to influence Taiwanese people by reaching out to the grassroots, said one Taiwan security official with direct knowledge of the matter. They hope to influence swing voters who don't have particular political affiliation and would vote for whoever gives them benefits. High on the government's watch list for likely recipients in Taiwan are small political parties that support Beijing's sovereignty claims over the island, local councillors, and temples that engage in exchange activities with China, according to one of the classified reports reviewed by Reuters. Gosh, Reuters has access to classified reports? Doesn't that threaten national security? I mean, it has to somewhere. That's what classified means. <laughs> Beijing could also offer free trips to China to hundreds of Taiwanese involved in election campaigns ahead of the vote to influence voting decisions. Another of the internal reports said, pointing to local politicians such as bureau chiefs and village heads. The government formed a cross-ministry security task force dubbed Ping Shun, or Safe and Sound, this year to look into possible voting interference at home or abroad, according to that person and another security official with direct knowledge of the matter. Both declined to be named because of the sensitivity of the matter. It is illegal under Taiwanese law for an election campaign to receive money from, quote, external hostile forces, including China. So the government formed an election security unit called Safe and Sound. Very dystopian. They're worried that China might send people money through WeChat. That sounds like the sort of thing the Uniparty here would make a big deal out of so that they could go to the messaging app and try to shut that down to further censor people and make sure that they could not communicate. China's Taiwan Affairs Office did not respond to requests for comment. China has refused to talk to Tsai or her Democrat Progressive Party calling them separatists. She cannot run for president again because of term limits. China has used various means to actively intervene in elections to interfere in or influence election results. Taiwan's China Policymaking Mainland Affairs Council told Reuters adding the moves were meant to push for China's political agenda that included, quote unquote, promoting unification with Taiwan. Some Taiwanese have been prosecuted in recent years over receiving illicit support from China in election campaigns. A government unit in southern China sponsored COVID-19 self-testing kits for the election campaign of a borough chief candidate in New Taipei City last year, who was this month found guilty of violating bribery and anti-infiltration laws. The reports say other possible funding channels include payment cards that use the China Union Pay Network, which allows Taiwanese to legally withdraw money from bank accounts in China, as well as via direct transfers to China-based charitable funds. So China is influencing so hard. Just election interference all over the place from one of our adversarial nations, just like Russia interfered in our elections on behalf of Donald Trump. China is interfering in Taiwan's election 
on behalf of the KMT, you know, just because they don't want to see another stolen Taiwanese election and potentially have to engage in kinetic conflict in order to remove the corrupt global regime and its assets from Taiwan. And let's conclude our two-part Taiwanese election extravaganza with this from Reuters on January 4th. Taiwan says it will publish analysis of China's alleged election interference post-vote. So you get it? They're getting ahead of the story. If there is election interference in this election, it's on behalf of the KMT. And before we get into this, let's just think about the 2016 election and the 2020 election. After 2016, everyone in the Democrat Party, everyone in the regime claimed that Donald Trump received help from Russia. Russia was interfering in our election on behalf of Donald Trump, and that is why Donald Trump won. Many high-level Democrat officials still say that to this day. There was a documentary made for HBO called Kill Chain. You can probably still find it. And that featured many prominent Democrats and regime officials claiming that the voting machines used in our elections were easily hackable and that you could manipulate outcomes through the so-called vulnerabilities of these machines. Then all of that changed in 2020. We had the safest and most secure election of all time. All those courts, they found that there was no election fraud. Now, none of those explanations are true, but it doesn't matter. People believe that they are true. And they were able to believe all of that after having just believed that the election was stolen for Donald Trump in the prior cycle. And this includes those prominent Democrat officials who were on video claiming that Russian interference or other election fraud made Donald Trump the president and that he was illegitimate. And then we have 2020 where everything in the lead up to that election indicated that the regime, the uniparty faction, would in fact be stealing the election from Donald Trump. They changed election laws and made ridiculous policies, and they did it outside the bounds of their state constitutions, all on the basis that we were dealing with a very deadly pandemic, which was itself a hoax. So Donald Trump contested the election, and to this day, it remains true that there is no proof anywhere that Joe Biden received 81 million real lawful American votes. But something I find remarkable is that all claims of Donald Trump benefiting from election fraud or foreign election interference simply disappeared. Donald Trump went from 63 million reported votes in 2016 to around 75 million in 2020. And there is not a word coming from the other side about any election interference or any election fraud or any machine problems that could have benefited Donald Trump. So he had this amazing election fraud apparatus in 2016, we are supposed to believe, and all of this foreign help in 2016, we are supposed to believe. And that is what made him win. And in 2020, no one bothered. No one bothered turning on Donald Trump's massive election fraud machine somehow. Why didn't they do that? Why didn't Donald Trump use that machine fraud? Why didn't Russia and these other countries interfere in the election on his behalf again? How come none of those claims were made? Shouldn't Joe Biden 
and his ridiculous DOJ as they pursue and prosecute innocent Americans for an entire range of things that by right the government cannot prosecute them for? Why aren't they going after Donald Trump for his election manipulations and interference? They want to put him in jail for 700 years for daring to question their election, and they're not going after him for election fraud himself. Why not? He used his machine once and then turned it off the second time and got 20% more votes. Does that make any sense to anyone? No, of course it doesn't make sense. Why? Because it's impossible. That's why we're not supposed to be having these discussions, because if you think about this stuff too much, you realize none of it's true. But let's get to this Reuters article. Again, the headline, Taiwan says it will publish analysis of China's alleged election interference post vote. Just like the Center for Strategy and International Studies can't publish their polling results, you got to see what's going to happen before you decide what the narrative is which is why now you just create a bunch of possibilities so that you can respond in a way that leads to the advantage for your narrative, for your agenda, no matter what happens. Taiwan's foreign minister says it is documenting its experiences with China's alleged attempts to interfere in elections next week and will publish its analysis soon after the vote. Taiwan's government has pointed to military and economic pressure, as well as Chinese subsidized trips to China for local Taiwanese officials as evidence of Beijing's alleged interference ahead of the January 13th presidential and parliamentary election. China's Taiwan Affairs Office has called Taiwan's elections, quote, purely an internal Chinese matter, end quote and that the ruling Democratic Progressive Party is trying to call any kind of interactions between the two sides of the Taiwan Strait election interference. Taiwan is taking measures to counter China's interference and is documenting its experiences. Analysis will be published soon after the elections in consultation with international experts. Foreign Minister Joseph Wu wrote in the latest issue of The Economist, without giving details. So regime rag, the economist, just high level globalist propaganda. They have the Taiwanese foreign minister publish an op-ed saying that after the election, depending on the results, they are going to consult with international experts before publishing what it wants to accuse China of as far as foreign election interference is concerned. Taiwan's presidential and parliamentary elections are taking place against a backdrop of what the island's government says is a concerted effort by China, which claims Taiwan as its own territory to sway the vote to get electors to vote for candidates Beijing may prefer. China has cast the election as a choice between war and peace and says Taiwan's government has been hyping up a military threat from China for electoral gain. Should China succeed in shaping the outcome of the voting in Taiwan, it will apply the same tactics to other democracies to promote its preferred international order, Wu wrote. He urged the international community to pay more attention to China's efforts to undermine Taiwan's democracy through influence and disinformation campaigns, as well as hybrid warfare, including cyber attacks. 
Our desire is to turn Taiwan's experience into a positive contribution to the rules-based international order, thereby helping the free world's fight against authoritarian powers bent on eroding democratic systems. I mean, it's all right there in plain English, published in Reuters. It is our belief that democracy will prevail, Wu says. On Thursday, China's Taiwan Affairs Office, in a statement responding to DPP accusations of election interference, said such attacks were the DPP's usual trick in elections to shift the focus of attention away from the party's own problems. These dirty and lame tricks are used too much, and they will only make themselves become a laughingstock, it said. Sounds like something Trump might say. Taiwan's government rejects China's sovereignty claims. China has aimed its ire at the DPP's presidential candidate, current Vice President Lai Ching-te, accusing him of being a dangerous separatist. Lai has repeatedly offered talks with China, but has been rebuffed. Both the DPP and Taiwan's largest opposition party, the Kuomintang, which traditionally favors close ties with China, but denies being pro-Beijing, says only Taiwan's 23 million people can decide their future. But the KMT also says it strongly opposes Taiwan independence. And Taiwan independence, to be clear, in this context means Taiwan is subordinate to the United States and the global regime and not Xi Jinping and the China that is emerging separate from that global regime presence in China. Now, this is not to suggest that Xi's China is an ally in any way, maybe not even of Donald Trump, but it does seem like they have an understanding. And if we want America first, as we do, if we want sovereign nations, as we do, then China has to be China first, and they should be operating in a way that emphasizes the good of the Chinese people, the Lao Beijing. So what will happen? Well, we're going to learn a lot about Taiwan's election system this weekend. It seems like all indications based on the propaganda and every element of this election story mirroring our own situation that the people are on the side of the KMT. We wouldn't need all of the propaganda, the censorship, the fact checking, the disinformation experts, claims about interference, etc. If the DPP really had massive, broad support from the Taiwanese people, it is clear that they are running the regime playbook. In fact, the party in power right now was installed after a color revolution and then was reelected in an election that saw a massive spike in turnout while the winner of that same Democratic Progressive Party claimed election interference on the other side. But will we see the KMT actually win or will it be the DPP? Will the party of global regime puppets remain in control. It sounds like they might be ready to tempt fate on that. I would guess that we will see a similar situation to what we saw here in 2020, what we saw in Brazil at the end of 2022. And we might even get the old Dominion 5149, as we saw in the Brazilian runoff. 
that was ultimately decided for Lula with massive election fraud in broad daylight. And then their version of January 6th, which is our version of the Reichstag fire. Will they tempt fate and see how China will respond? I imagine that these things are already decided. We're going to watch them happen and believe that they are all happening in real time. They probably are not. I would expect that the DPP candidate, Lai, will be declared the winner. And then what we will watch is the fallout and see what happens and see if the DPP can actually be removed in a peaceful fashion. As I said earlier, I don't think that there's any way the United States is going to actually take military action, but we will hear a push for that. We will hear the narratives. It'll be just like the Ukraine story with Russia. And I have said that this would be part two of that since 2021, maybe 2020. This election this weekend will be the catalyst. I would be surprised, pleasantly surprised, don't get me wrong, but I would be surprised if the KMT candidate won. I think we're going to have lie as the winner, obviously via massive widespread election fraud in broad daylight, maybe the old Dominion 5149, and then it's all about the fallout. Okay, so I'm recording this Wednesday. You're hearing it Thursday. There will be no episode for Friday as I will be in Southern California for the Great American Restoration Tour by Badlands Media. There will be no episode Monday due to traveling back and taking a bit of downtime because I'm going to get none this weekend, but I will be back Tuesday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree linktree.com slash I'm your moderator and I'll see you soon out on the range What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com slash covered. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct Shop.Spreadshirt.com slash Cancel-Couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to KO-FI.com slash I'mYourModerator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon, down on the range. It's hell!